0: This is the Raw and Radical Women in the Arts podcast, and I am your host, Maureen Broadbeck.
1: Raw and processed.
0: In each episode, we explore the mechanisms of identity, vulnerability, authenticity, empowerment, and social change through conversations with inspiring women who are making history and challenging the status quo in both the art world and in society. Radical and Rebel we talk about their real-life challenges and celebrate cis and transgender women so that you can be inspired, she empowered, and take action, and further your critical understanding about what it means to be a woman in the arts. Woman a catalyzing, reformation, radical- welcome to the raw and radical woman in the arts podcast for this new series we are welcoming German photographer Jessica Backhaus for an original two parts episode Jessica is considered one of the most important voice in German contemporary photography her work has been exhibited internationally in numerous solo and group shows such as the National Portrait Gallery in London the Martin Gropius Bau in Berlin and the Marta Erfurt Contemporary Museum of Art, Architecture and Design in Erfurt, Germany, amongst many others. Jessica published many books, Carrier Verlag in Heidelberg has published eight monographs of her work. Her work is in many art collections, such as the art collection of the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston, the Margulis Collection in Miami the art collection of Tenaus Sparkasse in Bad Homburg, the art collection of the Deutsche Börse in Frankfurt, and also the Hing art collection in Brussels. Her latest work, Cutouts, was just exhibited at her gallery in Berlin, the Robert Mora Gallery. She is represented by eight galleries listed in the show notes. Please welcome Jessica Backhaus. Hi Jessica, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. Can you tell us to start, please, how you got into photography? What got you interested in imagery? And Because I know it's about passion, it's about love, and uh, there's things that are really poetic about imagery and photography. So can you tell us what got you started in this?
1: In a way, it started for me from a very young age because I was born into a family of actors and artists. My mother is an actress and my father is a theater director. And they already, at their age, they were completely absorbed by this theater and very passionate Mm. about their world. So then I came along by, you know, some miracle. I, (laughs) I, I made it into this world but um, from a very young age, they showed me their passion that they had for their art form, the theater. So I, I want to say, yes, the first 10 years of my life, I grew up in this theater mm-hmm. and we were traveling a lot, going on tour. So it was, as you can imagine, a very colorful childhood, yeah. always a very, a very open environment where there was a lot of freedom and creative expression because we had singers coming into the house, artists, painters. It was an open house for just creativity. And growing up in that environment, of course, it was very impressive, sometimes intimidating. It was colorful. And when I went to school afterwards, where naturally I went was the theater. Yeah. So instead of doing my homework, of course, needless to say, it was much more interesting what was happening on the stage when I was <laughs> watching the rehearsals and uh, and all yeah. the mise-en-scene and all the excitement. And so I kept watching years, all the actors. And um, I think somewhere in between that time when I was always in the dark, the observer on what was happening on the stage, and then later on, In my teenage years, my parents separated and my mother moved to Berlin and her partner had this movie archive. So then my teenage years, I was in this archive and I recall that photography and just visuals and let it be alone the stills from the different Mm. movies and from the various films, I plastered my room. Yeah. So I have always been obsessed with imagery and with visuals. And I think in between these two, well, experiences and upbringing, that profound desire to become a photographer, to mm. work with visuals was mm. born. So when you
0: were a teenager, you moved to Paris, correct? Yes, exactly.
1: After these years here in Berlin, I was in Berlin from 12 to 16. Yeah. And um, because we always also traveled a lot, it was a big part of our life to, to go to places. So I've always been also very curious mm. for different countries, different cultures. And from a, I guess, yeah, fairly young age, I, I was intrigued by languages. And I thought, oh, it would be marvelous to go to France and, uh, and learn another language, which I love the French language. And my mother and her friend, they said, OK, if you want to leave Germany, we will support you. I mean, I was 16, and so I was for two years in an international boarding school, and in a way, it was paradise. I mean, I remember that the school felt like, in my class, people from all over the world, from various African countries, from Afghanistan, Pakistan, Asia, and it was just, for me, I was in heaven. I was just so happy growing up with all these different young people, more or less my age, coming from different countries. It was just, in a way, the most beautiful education you can get because it opens your horizon from a very young age. You learn about differences. You learn about tolerance. Yeah. And I loved, I loved the quote that was from Paul Valéry, the quote for this particular international school, and it was, Enrichissons-nous de nos différences. Mm. And it 's so beautiful to what it means to enrich ourselves by our differences, yeah, and so, yes, I had two years in in these boarding schools, and then when I was eighteen i I started to to live in Paris, and that itself was an amazing chapter, as you can imagine, yeah. being a student in paris at i 18. mean
0: yeah
1: at eighteen. <laughs> It's just you are, again, in an amazing city that is so vibrant and interesting that I very much enjoyed these yeah, six years I ended up being there.
0: So it's really beautiful because your parents were able to transmit to you your passion. Yes. Or their passion, which created a passion in you. And we can really understand now all the colors in your work and where it comes from because you had such a colorful upbringing Mm. and a colorful life and this really comes across in your work and you know i think transmission is so important oh it is and this is what i try to do as a mother is to be able to share my passions so my children can create their own passion and it's something so important because it makes you so vibrant about life.
1: Yeah, you feel alive. And that's what it was. I mean, my parents educated me to be also, well, from a very young age to be independent. When I was six years old, I went by myself to the movies. They gave me that kind of playground Mm. to be free and just create and find my own way. And I think it's incredible. I'm very grateful for that education that I got because it really taught me what it means to be independent and really follow your own dream or convictions and just try things out. Experiment, see what it is that you love and then just go for it. Don't wait, go for it. And I think that is really beautiful when you have parents, when they have that understanding and support you in your desire, whatever you want to do.
0: I wanted to ask you about your relationship with your mentor, French photographer Giselle Freund, because I think this kind of relationship, mentor-mentee, are so important for artists. And I wanted to see if you could talk about it. How did you meet? How did this whole relationship started? I completely
1: agree with what you're saying. If you are lucky to have certain human beings in your life that can take that role of a mentor, it's a real blessing, When I was 18, during my studies, we had to read, it was um, mandatory, we had to read the book Photographie et Société by Gisèle Freund, and so we read it, and up until now, I must say, I was 18, I'd never heard about Gisèle Freund, so... I was very fascinated by this book and also by her biography. I was researching then who is Giselle Freund. And I just thought, what an extraordinary woman. She almost lived the whole last century and her biography is just really extraordinary. And, you know, sometimes when you are a student, you have these fantasies and you have these dreams and you think, oh, if one day I could meet her, how wonderful that would be. And so that was then the beginning of the 90s. And um, in 92, they already had Le mois de la Photographie, mm. the months of photography. Mm. And a friend of mine said, listen, during this month, there are always lots of exhibitions and talks all around the city in Paris. And he said, listen, there's this uh, talk and it has to do with copyright." And there will be lots of different photographers. Why don't you go? I think you would be interested in that. Because I started first more in a photojournalistic way, my first, first years. And I thought, that sounds wonderful. So I went and there were a lot of photographers from the Magnum agency And literally, my heart stopped when I saw that Giselle Freund will be there. And I was like, oof. And, you know, there are certain moments in life when you just know if you really want to meet her, you have to approach her now or never. Otherwise, it's just passing by you, this opportunity. And, you know, I was quite shy. And, of course, I mean, this conference lasted for many hours. And at the time, that was in November 92. So she was already... 84 and was quite exhausted. And after the conference, there was a kind of buffet, and she was surrounded by millions of people. I'm exaggerating, but a lot of people all wanted to approach her and talk to her. Yeah, I can picture that. (laughs) And I thought, how am I going to get near this lady? And I don't know. At some point, I was standing next to her and I overheard she was giving an interview to an American journalist. And at some point, the interview, I thought, was finished. And I thought, okay, just now or never, just say something to her. (laughs) And um, so I said in French that, you know, I, I introduced myself, my name, that I'm from Berlin and that I'm a photography student and that I admire her work. So it was not very inventive, not very interesting, just very basic. And she nodded and she listened to it. And then, you know, apparently the interview continued and I thought that was my moment (laughs) and uh, I just continued listening to her because her answers were very interesting and then at some point she says to the American journalist oh did you just hear this young lady speaking French her French is so good and interesting and then she turned back to me integrated me into her conversation and she says you know now is not the right time that we have a conversation. And by some miracle, because Giselle never knew her telephone number by heart, she pulled elegantly out of her pocket on a piece of cardboard her phone number and handed it to me. And she says, why don't you give me a call and we have a proper meeting? You come and visit me for tea. Nice. And it was kind of a true miracle. And... Uh, Yes. So after this first encounter, then a few weeks later, I went to see her in her apartment. And I recall it was just such a beautiful first meeting. We spent five hours together just talking about her life. She was very curious. She wanted to know about my life. And yeah, after this first meeting, she says, why don't you come back and you visit me again? And out of this first visit, then developed a beautiful friendship that lasted for eight years until she died in March 2000. What I really admired, and I think it is something that we should all pay attention to, is to stay curious. Mm. And she was just, you know, curious for life at her age. She was speaking various languages. She was reading Let It Be Le Monde, The New York Times, uh, other German newspapers, She was trying to follow what exhibitions, what theater plays. She read, obviously, a lot of books. I mean, she was just so educated. And also, she was a very brave woman. She lived in a whole different time. And things were definitely not easy being a woman. She also said, it's not going to be easy for you being a woman, even though things have changed and are slowly moving in a different direction. But she says, really try to stay always true to yourself and follow your own personal conviction and don't make too many compromises. You know, some of the conversations we had and some of the advice I got is so valuable. And I must say, the friendship that I had with her was, I can honestly say, one of the most beautiful gifts I've gotten in my life so Mm. far. It was very special uh, and a, a remarkable lady, a really remarkable lady. And she, she was and still is a big inspiration in my life. Hmm. Wonderful. So
0: how has this been for you being a woman in the world of <laughs> photography and the art world?
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting all these things that you, you experience over the course of it. So when I finished my studies I was 22 and I did feel I know nothing about photography. I felt, what do I know? <laughs> nothing. And I was naive. I wanted to live just by my photographs. But of course, nobody could care less. And my phone was not ringing and I had no work. And I must say also, I didn't know what I will do in, within the photography world. I didn't know if I would do commercial work, advertising. I had no clue. I was just obsessed about photography. But I didn't know yet in what direction I will go. And I thought in order to know more about the medium, I really felt I wanted to assist and learn about the different techniques and about the different lighting systems and the cameras. Because even Giselle, she said, you know, it's really good to know the technique, the technical aspects, but once you know them, you have to forget about them. The technique is not making your photograph valuable, but you have to know about it. And So I thought assisting would be a good school, a good way for me to learn. And here, to answer your question, how it was being a woman. In the time we're talking now Paris, 95, so 27 years ago, it was very tough being a woman because no photographers, I mean, there were a few women photographers, but all the male, the majority of them were male photographers and they didn't want to have a woman as an assistant. Hmm. So it was very difficult. And by pure chance, I landed a job because of an agent And she was at the time representing this photographer, David LaChapelle. And I have heard about him, but, you know, didn't know that much about him. So he came to Paris for four days to do a fashion shoot. And his agent hired me being the third (laughs) assistant.
0: This is a pretty
1: cool first job. (laughs) It was really quite something. I do remember it very well because it was the 14th of July weekend, 95. It was one of the hottest weekends. It was almost 40 degrees. Mm. It was very, very particular. So the the agent (laughs) said, why don't you come to the hotel at six in the morning? And then we start the job. So I came to this hotel and I remember because it was so hot the whole crew, nobody was wearing almost anything because we, could, we were just melting. Yeah. And then I saw this man with this cowboy hat and these boxer shorts, very flamboyant. And I said, good morning. And I will always remember that. And there was this agent and he told me, excuse my language now, but he said, what the fuck is she doing here? She's a woman. I don't want a woman on my set to be as an assistant. You can send her home. You, I, I need a man. And I thought, who wow. is this man? This is crazy. Who are these people, you know? Yeah. And then his <laughs> agent, she was a tough woman. And she says, you know, David, you shut up now. Because I hired her and I will not send her home. So she will stick with you and you have to get used to her. That's it. End of the story. <laughs> so I was like, my goodness, what am I into, into these four days? And the thing oh, is, he's good. so... He's so passionate about his work that we worked 22 hours every day. I mean, in the end, I just, you know, we we barely slept two hours. It was around the clock because he was so obsessed about um, his work. And it was a nightmare because literally for four days in front of a big crew, because he had two trucks of lighting equipment, you know, he kept yelling at me. And because I... I didn't know. It was my first job. And he had a great first assistant who said, you know, stick with me. Don't listen to him. You're doing great. Just don't pay attention. And um, it was quite challenging. I thought if this is what it means to assist, I'm not going (laughs) to survive it. It's too, too intense, too insane. And then It's interesting how, again, there are certain moments in your life where everything changes. And we were shooting in this castle. It was three in the morning somewhere outside of Paris. And David shouted again. And he said, I should come and see him. And so I went to see him. And interesting, he said, I really want to apologize. I want to apologize. I've been very rude to you for the last Mm -hmm. few days. I've been, you know yelling at you and observing you and he says I have a feeling you have no clue about photography yes <laughs> you're very green he says you're green but what I do feel is you have an incredible passion you mm. just I feel you have a passion and he says why don't you come with me to New York because Paris is not the place for you you have such an amazing energy and passion you should come with me and you know you should think about it. Wow. And I was like, wow. And, and it's funny, but when I was seven years old, I always dreamt of traveling and going into the world. And my fantasy was to live in Paris and to live in New York. Yeah. So I figured, here's New York, I'm going to give it a try. And And he was very sincere, because the next day he left back to New York and he wrote me a letter that he meant what he said and that he would help me with my paperwork. So it was lovely. He also said, if you decide to come to New York, you have to be independent. I can't give you a full-time job. You have to have your own reasons why you want to be in New York, but I can give you once in a while some jobs. And so that's what happened. A few weeks later, I packed my things and I had some money saved up to survive in New York for three months. And I worked with him a little bit, but not that much mm. in the end, a few times. And then I realized I, I have to create my own work life there. And so I ended up, yeah, assisting for five years for various photographers. Excellent. But it's interesting how it was different in comparison to France, where being a woman was really not easy to get the jobs. And in New York they were already much more ahead of their time because being a woman, it didn't matter once in all these five years. And there was a real network of people helping each other. And uh, it was wonderful. I really must say, I think those five years having had the chance and the opportunity to work with incredible artists, it was a beautiful experience. I learned a lot and I also learned what I didn't want to do. Mm. Of course. It was an amazing school, but I realized for my own work, I wanted to go the opposite way. I couldn't work the way they were working with yeah. a whole big team and lots of assistance and lots of lighting. And then for my own work, I decided I'm just going to work with my cameras and the available light and alone, not with yeah. other people.
0: So now, a couple years later...
1: Well, 20 yes. years
0: later. Couple, right? <laughs> a
1: couple, right? <laughs> a couple, yes. <laughs>
0: you are considered one of the most important voices in contemporary oh. photography in Germany. So what do you make of that? This, well, is, this is a of nice course. journey. <laughs>
1: yes, of course, these words are very flattering. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I do feel very grateful to say in a way that I can make a living if you want to call it, with my art. I feel very privileged. The last 20 years have not been always easy, as you can imagine. You know, it's like constantly up and down, up and down. And it's wonderful if you have a passion. And I think my passion for what I love to do in many ways saved me because there was a time, 2003, when... I didn't know how to really make a living with my own photographs. And I took the art job doing some commercial work. But yep. pretty early or pretty quickly, I realized I don't like to do this commercial work. I can't really do what I really want to do. Yep. And I didn't like it. And I thought, what am I going to do really? And that's really when I only understood what I really want to do within the photography world is trying to do exhibitions and publish books but of course I realized that this is not an easy path because yes you don't have a guarantee you don't have a stable income and you live a little bit on the edge but I realized I'm going to pay the price for that because that's really what I want I wanted to be free and just do my work so it was an interesting journey now when I look back these last 20 years would you
0: say that there was a turning point At one point, or would you say it's always ups and downs and it's really a matter of following that same passion and keep believing in it? Because I see uh, a lot of people at one point, they give up because it's becoming too hard or because, you know, they have a bit of financial success. And then he comes back down and then he comes back in and then they they are really getting tired of this difficulty to maintain that, that kind of pressure.
1: When I made that conscious decision of just dedicating myself to doing my own personal projects and hoping to make a book and hoping to find gallery representation, in a way it gave me lots of clarity because I was very radical in a way. And I also, everything what didn't make me happy, any kind of whatever assignment, I was very, I mean, I say radical because I really quit everything good i quit everything yeah. i i tried to get rid of all the extra noise and yeah. all all the distraction and and i thought no i'm just going to even if it means i mean it sounds such a cliche but even if it means if i have to eat salad and potatoes i'm going to eat salad and potatoes but i just want to do yeah. what i want to do and and I guess in a way, when I think of my, my first project, then it was quite easy because I had a real focus and yeah. Yeah. I knew what I wanted to concentrate on, how I want to use my energy. And I guess I was lucky because that first project was quite successful. And here I was and I realized, OK, maybe I can make a living as an artist but I also realized if nobody cares and if nobody's interested, I, I was thinking I have to find something else. It was tough because I didn't want to do something yeah. else. But I also realized at that time, if it doesn't work out, I might have to quit. So I really sympathize with what you were saying. And honestly, I've seen it with some colleagues, friends, who have decided not to continue that mm-hmm creative artistic paths because it is too hard and and in in a way maybe their priorities change and a friend of mine once said in america oh now you are more established and you know you have recognition i'm sure it must be much more easier for you but the truth is no i don't think it really gets easy because You know yourself. You you do a project and if you're lucky you have recognition, some success and people purchase your work and you collect your work and but then you can never really have a moment where you think, Ah, I've made it. Yeah. I've I've never had that feeling.
0: Yeah. I think it's some kind of a myth that People think that at one point you've made it. Then you set for life. (laughs) And everything from now on is going to be like super easy. (laughs) It's (laughs) not. And working and flowing. No. There's not one point where that happens. I mean, of course, you grow your network and you get to know more people and you have more of a sense of community with time. And this is really important. Uh, I think we, we need this community to be able to survive in this environment and it's it's very very important that the connections are very important to entertain nice nice connections
1: i completely agree i i think it's very important in that life you make choices it's all about choices and decisions and also knowing your priorities and how you truly want to live your life I always think, wow, we really are privileged that we were born into the countries we were born to and having gotten the education that we have gotten because in so many countries, women, they can't do what we do. So I really think we also, when you put it all into our perspectives, we cannot complain, really, not at all. (laughs) We have so much freedom which is incredible, really. It's tough, but we do have
0: possibilities and opportunities. Yes. So yes. what's your vision to make women in art and photography more visible?
1: Okay, as an artist, what kind of ways you have. You have book that is one form of expressing yourself and you have exhibitions or installations. And of course, it starts with that women need to be in positions, and I've seen that in the last few years, that more and more women have positions in important places, being a chief curator, being the director of a museum. So, because that is changing, that is already the first good step. It's not only about women. I think the beauty is, and that is also, again, going back to Paul Valéry, Men and women are different, and I think it's beautiful that we're different species. But it's also, instead of going against each other, it's nice to coexist together. So in terms of the artists, it doesn't always have to be a women-only show. There can also be men, but because we still need more time and there's still needs to be more also education. It is good to obviously include more women in group exhibitions and to have more solo exhibitions where women are featured. I think everybody needs, yeah, to be educated and helping. I think also nowadays women, they have this beautiful generosity. They have a different perspective. But yes, I think for us, that's how it could work. And then look at what you're doing. I mean, you are also part of the whole process in changing things.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to do my my part.
1: (laughs) I mean, you are actively, actively, you are a beautiful example of how to make changes. It's really you, honestly. I, I think it's incredible because you're giving women a voice and that's beautiful. You know Thank you. your engagement in that process. You, are, you you are actively a part of how you can contribute to that. And I realize I love curating and I, I dream one day to have a place where I could curate a show. And I see it more of course there would be photographers. But also painting, also maybe video installations. I love to mix various art forms. Mm. And uh, I would love to do a show where, yes, if it's suitable, maybe there will be some men. But I would give a big space mm. to lots of women and, and do a beautiful show and, and curate. Beautiful. Thank
0: you vision and perspective and desires and and the Mm -hmm. passions we follow that shift and this is is great I think yeah great it makes our lives so much more full and interesting and exciting and vibrant so yeah yeah. and I think you know in my case doing this podcast is part of my secret scheme to create a new society (laughs) yeah it's incredible you know I really and I think that um You know, I often thought about how to really inspire people and how to truly make them change the world and change society. And I think it really comes from the inside and it comes from this fire we have in us and this desire to do something. And if you don't have that flame, if you don't have that fire, you don't do anything So for me, these conversations are really about igniting some of these flames and fire and sparkles in others. So they go and they create whatever excites them. And they make, therefore, the world a better place and they make society a better place. And this is how we shift slowly, I think.
1: I completely agree. It's a beautiful contribution. And it brings you back to what you were saying at the beginning about, you know, if you're raising a family inspiring your children to find their own voice their own passion and um, it's yeah it's all stepping stones you know it's trying within our capacity with our within our own world to try to to achieve to do good and inspire and be supportive Mm. with each other Mm.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode and her very inspiring story, and stay tuned for the second part that will be coming out soon, where Jessica will talk about her work and process. This podcast is supported by Pro Helvetia, the Swiss Arts Council, the Republic and Canton of Geneva, and the City of Lancy in Switzerland. We are so thankful for their support and commitment to women, culture, and the arts. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Raw and Radical Women in the Arts podcast. Learn more about our featured artists and sign up for news and updates by visiting our website rawradical.com Organic, radical, profound. Please consider leaving us a comment and review on your preferred podcast listening platform to help others discover the show and take part in this global dialogue. She intuitive. I am Maureen Broadbeck and until next time... Keep the dream alive.